You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. Create in, in the men's groups is connection. It's like kind of honest, vulnerable connection where guys can kind of let go of the need to be like this or, or to be like that or to be tough or to be like kind of completely confident and have your shit completely together um, and guys can come in and say like I don't have everything together like at the moment like I'm going through something a couple of images come to mind as I think about this episode the first is when I'm at high school a friend of mine is picking up another smaller friend of mine to put his head into the toilet I stand by paralyzed the second is of a gathering of men earlier this year I'm feeling emotionally overwhelmed and this group of men allows me to share freely without judgment or fixing and sharing from my heart. I'm not sure what connects these two images other than for me they represent two ends of the spectrum of relationships between men. My guest this week is part of the reason why the second image is a memory of mine. He co-founded the Men's Collective and has it at the core of all he does to help people connect. I'm Adam Murray and thanks for joining me as I talk with Jimmy Fern on the subtle disruption of connection, masculinity, and vulnerability. Well, um, yeah, man, do you want to start talking about what you've chosen for our chat? Um, so we're down at Yarra Bend Park, and we actually came down here on a bike ride a couple of weeks we ago. Did, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was like a pretty amazing little space. Like, there's, um, there's all these rosellas and um, rainbow lorikeets and stuff nesting in the trees, and... Um, I think this is a beautiful part of Melbourne. So close to the city, but like um, in and amongst nature. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. We can see lots of buildings around us, but it's really quiet apart from the birds yeah. and a couple of kids playing behind us. And a guy doing Tai Chi over on the <laughs> other side. And yeah. Do you. Is this a regular place for you to hang out, or is it just. Was it a bike ride? One of the only times you've come down here, do you come down I've here? I've come again? down here a bit. Like I'll, I'll often frequent the Abbotsford Convent around oh, yeah, the corner, yeah. um, and I love kind of walking down along the river here. Um, I live a little bit further down in South Yarra on the river, and I love just kind of um, yeah going down and walking down that path there. Yeah, it's so good for me to be um, like this is spring in Melbourne. Normally, being outside for me in spring when we're on that bike ride, the hay fever hit me massively hard. <laughs> Your eyes were watering. <laughs> oh, I was gone for about three days after that. <laughs> but, um, I've been getting some acupuncture and it's been helping. And sitting outside today, I feel... They've just cut the grass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, if you get too uncomfortable at any point, let me know. Yeah, well. <laughs> we can go somewhere else. <laughs> You'll um. notice it. You'll notice it. <laughs> Thank God we're not on video, just on audio. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's probably heaps of things we can talk about, but I think the maybe the one to start with is how we met, and I think maybe the thing that's closest to your, to your heart in terms of what you're working on right now. So we met about, it was probably late last year, actually, that we met at yeah. um, Men's Collective. Yeah. Um, that's right, back in Hornby Street. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, I think Kyle found it on Facebook and said we should go along to this, another friend of ours. And um, yeah, it was awesome. Do you want to talk a bit about, well, what is the Men's Collective? Yeah, cool. Oh, it is. Um, so the Men's Collective was kind of um, uh, 
Luke Wallace and I were both working with um, Collective Potential, um, <clears throat> which was um, kind of like a, a, it's a social enterprise, like for profit, for purpose business. And um, um, we were helping out with like facilitation stuff and running groups and um, things like that. And we, um, I don't know, we wanted a kind of a format to be able to um, run our own stuff. And then um, I was at the same time doing some research work and writing some collateral for Collective Potential and um, I came across the stats around um, suicide, like um, that um, men and women under 45, um, suicide's the biggest killer above like road accidents, cancer, um, heart disease, like the whole lot. Um, and, and then that's 75% of people that kill themselves are men. And, um, and I don't know, that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> this, yeah, because they're not stats that are really. It's not talked about that much. No, really. exactly. It was like the first time that I heard um, that statistic that the meat industry is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and um, the depletion of the ozone layer and stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Like, how's that? How's that um, possible? Like, um, I think it was in that cowspiracy movie, maybe. Um, or one of them, anyway. Um, and I just, I was like, this can't actually be true. And then, and then I kind of looked into it, and like it was. And then, um, and then I was like, well, okay, so why are like all these guys kind of um, uh, resorting to like the kind of the like the the last kind of um, um, the, the last resort for for like this stuff? And um, and found that um, like there's not a lot of guy support stuff. Like there's like doctors and, and psychologists and counsellors and stuff like that but um, I think it's really hard for guys to admit that there's something wrong with them because they don't want to kind of go down that path of like I'm like I'm struggling a bit but like now I'm admitting that like I'm really kind of struggling and like now I need to go into the medical path and stuff like that and um, and not that I wholly believe in, in the kind of medical path for, for treating that stuff when so often it's kind of social or environmental and, um, and so I went and like tried to research like um, men's workshops and men's groups and things like that um, and found that um, that the majority of um, the men's groups were more towards like older guys um, so guys that were kind of going through like a midlife crisis or like had had a heart attack or um, were like divorcing their wife of like 20 years or like their business was kind of about to go bankrupt or something and so they just like were forced into like a need to be able to kind of share what was going on for them because they were like really not in a good way and um it's like I went along to a couple of them and just just didn't really feel like um I kind of gelled with it um I'm like wow like there's not really spaces where guys like myself and like you and, and Kyle and um places where we can go we're like we're not like at the plot point where we need to go to that kind of medical end of things but like if we're struggling with something like it's a place where we can go to kind of talk to people about it and kind of um be around other guys in a in a space that's kind of free from ridicule and and kind of judgment and um and that's something that i think is um uh is quite prevalent amongst guys like when we get together into a group there's kind of this jiping and kind of this competitive nature and it comes from i don't know i went to a, an all boys private school and it was just like that was it yeah but that's how things were amongst guys like we We'd get together, we'd hang shit on each other, and like if anyone showed any form of vulnerability, it's like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, um, or it was like used against you later. So it's like, if you're struggling, like the last thing you want to do is talk to your mates about it because 
not only are you struggling and you're in this vulnerable state, but you run the risk of being judged and kind of exiled for it. And I don't know, I kind of got even more into the research of this stuff. And I found that, um, that, um, that, uh, social rejection triggers the same neural pathways in the brain as like physical injury. So if I was to like socially reject you in front of a group of guys, your brain would trigger those same pathways um, as if I punched you. Um, so like our primal brain sitting there saying like it's equally as important that we are part of the group in our survival as it is that we're in physical health. Um, and so like when all the cost is so massive of like opening up and kind of talking about what's going on for you, um, like yeah, why would you do it? Like, what's the payoff of it? Um, especially in a culture where it isn't the norm. Um, and so, yeah, we both like, um, Luke and I got together and said, look, let's just run it. And so we were running it out of this house that was donated to Collective Potential by um, this philanthropic family. And um, it started off and I think we had like, I don't know, like four or five people at the first one. But like, I don't know, it was just... It was something that I believed in, and it didn't really need to be anything else other than that. Like, um, so we just did it and loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about that. Look, let's go back a little bit to um, high school. I want to talk about a bit about high school, not necessarily yeah. just your experience, but you know, feel free to refer to it. But that, I mean, that is those that dynamic that you're talking about there. I guess is how most of us understand our male friendships really, and probably don't have too many other alternatives modelled. I don't know what's happening in high school today. It's been 20 yeah. years since I've been at high school. I think I, like, I had a relatively good experience at high school from that point of view. Like, I had a couple of mates who I could be pretty open with, but even so, there were things that I did not tell anyone, yeah. ever. And there were things that, you know, really, really got me down. Um, yeah, um... I don't know what the question is there, but, you know, I mean, what do you think happens for guys? Like, yeah. What, how can they break through that? Yeah. Guys in high school? Like, I think it's about where it started. Um, and, and, and in my experience um, and in kind of all that I've learned about it is that um, it comes from our dads and, and from our grandfathers. And, like, um, mm. I don't know. I, I guess I've never been to war and I have no idea like I've, I've watched documentaries and stuff and there's a lot more kind of honest representations of what actually goes on at war um, these days that we're starting to see with like kind of post-traumatic stress disorder and things like that yeah. um, that stuff didn't exist in our grandfather's days and so like they they came from from back from the war and um, and like it fucked them up like they'd seen some stuff and they didn't know how to process it yeah. and um and so they had like these, um, like our, our mums and dads kind of at home and, and they're like, all right, so what kind of skills do I need to give my kid to survive a world like, like I've kind of known? And they're like, all right, well, you've got to be tough, you've got to be strong, you don't show your emotion um, and, um, and like you work hard. And that was kind of, that was kind of it. Well, that's all my, my dad kind of got imparted yeah. with. And, um, and so, yeah, there's like this generation of our fathers who that's all they really know that's all they were really taught um and like it's not their fault it's not our grandfather's fault like um to have kind of gone to a place and seen what they saw 
Um, and then that kind of filters down to us. And so whether we're whether we're taught it or not, um, like kind of actively by our fathers, like it, we get it anyway because like they role model the behaviour. Um, and so yeah, I think there's this culture around, among men of like that you got to be tough, got to be strong, and and I think it's perpetuated by um, media outlets by like the way that we idolise and kind of. Um, uh, create this kind of celebrity culture around these alpha males, um, like footballers and, and, and other sportsmen and, and the celebrities. And um, like I was reading the other day that um, like I think it's something below um, below like three percent of our population is represented in um, media and advertising, like their physical body and stuff like that. And so there's like ninety seven percent of people out there that are like strangely and like totally inadequate in their body. Um, and totally non-represented in the um, in the media and in advertising and stuff. And so there's this kind of, I'm not good enough. <laughs> like, I'm not this, I'm not that. And so um, we're constantly trying to meet um, that standard, which we're, <laughs> like, for 97% of us, like, we're just not that. Yeah. It's sort of like we, you know, our I guess our elders taught us about a world that isn't a reality right now anymore. It was a reality for them and the world they experienced perhaps at war or yeah. during those times, but now it's not so much a reality for us. And then the world that we're, uh, we're, is portrayed to us through media and uh, you know the cult of celebrity, like you say, is not a reality either. And so we've got these skills that equipping... We've built up these skills and we've got this idea of reality that isn't actually true. Um, and but the reality we find ourselves with, we don't have the skills for, and you know it's a reality where um, we're not going to be, we're not in danger of dying. Mm. You know, there's not that flight and fight response that we need. Yeah. Um, there's other things that we need, and I think that's sort of what you're tapping into. Like there's there's not the toughness that we need. Well, you know, well, my question is, what are those other things that we need to survive in this world that we do find ourselves in? You know, for the 97% or the 100% who are living here now, you're like, what, as men, what do we need? You know, I think that's, um, yeah, awesome question. Um, and I think it's kind of probably the, the main focus of what I'm trying to bring or what we're trying to create in, in the men's groups is connection. It's like kind of honest, vulnerable connection where guys can kind of let go of the need to be like this or, or to be like that or to be tough or to be like kind of completely confident and have your shit completely together um, and guys can come in and say like oh, I don't have everything together yeah. like at the moment like I'm going through something um, and like I have issues around the shape of my body or um, or like I'm, I'm, I'm going through a really rough patch with my partner or like I, I don't know kind of what I'm doing with my job and things like that and um, and yeah I think the the amazing thing that comes out of that is that when someone is able to kind of let go of this this kind of image they're trying to project to themselves and show their humanity. Like we see our own humanity in them, and in that is an amazing connection. And um, it's something like you would have felt it, like in the room afterwards. Like there's just this energy of like everyone connects because they let go of all the masks and stuff. And it takes one person to like actually like genuinely open up and be vulnerable in that space and share what's going on for them. And it just like the whole room just kind of like pops off, and everyone kind of goes, "Oh wow, okay." it's safe to kind of let the masks go now. Yeah. And I think like social media and stuff perpetuates <clears throat> the alternative to that, which is like, we're only ever projecting out these images of the, of 
who we want the world to think that we are. And so, like, you open up your phone and there's, like, all these images of, like, it seems like everyone's in Bali at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> or they're buying a house or they're having a kid or, like, their life's just, like, epic. <laughs> and here I, here I am, like, eating my wheat bigs in the morning, <laughs> like, looking out in the sky, it's really grey, and I'm going into work and I'm like, wow, like, my life is so horribly inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so many people out there um, who feel like that and who kind of live like that. Who, but we just don't kind of get that um, that opportunity. And so, yeah, um, when 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 you can kind of let go of all that stuff, the connection is just yeah, it's palpable. Mm. Yeah. No, we can't we can't talk about specifics of um, like of what happens inside Men's Collective, but it'd be. I'd, be, I'd like to talk a little bit, I guess, generally about my experience and some of the things I've noticed as yeah. well. And it's interesting what you're saying there about, you know, often or sometimes there's people, the group's dancing around stuff a lot and you can feel it in the room. I can feel it in the room when um, somebody kind of wants to say something or they're, they're not quite getting to that level <laughs> and they're, they're often, which we often pull up in Men's Collective is, you know, we... <clears throat> Um, people talk about, you know, and we do this and you do that and they talk yeah. about the third person rather than, yeah. or, you know, people out there rather than I do this and I do that. And it's when people start talking about I and then it's letting things flow rather than applying a filter about, well, you know, how will this be seen and is this, am I, am I making a lot of sense now? Am I articulating myself well and just letting things flow? It's like, yeah, the mood just changes. Yeah, Everyone's it's like, the head and the heart. Yeah. When they're speaking from their head, it's like, it's opinions and perspectives and, and attitudes and facts. And it's like, oh, we as guys do this and this is what I've observed. And when you're saying that, I see, I, I see this and I hear that. And, and it's like, it's a defense mechanism because like, um, yeah, you're speaking from your head, um, from your brain. It's like opinions and attitudes and stuff like that. Whereas when you're actually speaking like from your heart, like you're sharing of yourself, like you're talking about, and that's when it becomes I, mm. um, and you actually really take ownership of it, and, and you've got like some skin in the game, and that's exactly what you're talking about when people are kind of skimming around the surface, and everyone's kind of like, <laughs> everyone's um, running like the, the commentary of the room, and then someone actually like kind of drops it in, and it's like, yeah, this is, this is what's going on for me, and it personalizes it, and that's that humanity side of things. Um, which is, <clears throat> yeah, which is where everyone can kind of connect from. Yeah. Yeah. How, like, you and Luke do an awesome job of creating that environment in that setting. Like, it's a fortnightly gathering. How, what, what ideas or what, I guess, principles and values do you bring to that to create that? You know, what, you did a whole lot of research and thinking about it and you went to men's groups, but... What did you, you know, how did you go about, what was your thinking when you created the Men's Collective? Um, I guess it was, like, we wanted to create something that was fun. Like, um, we, we wanted a place that was going to be fun and, and, um, and, and lighthearted, but where people could share stuff that was really kind of vulnerable for them and, and if someone wanted to share something that was really heavy then they could do that too and um <clears throat> and we found that um that more often than not your kind of brain has all these defense mechanisms and i guess it's just conditioning and stuff of like life that there's these there's these defense mechanisms around kind of showing your vulnerability and so um 
we tend to run like um, activities and kind of exercises and stuff to be able to get guys to um, it's not like it's tricking them into it but it's like it's creating a sense of comfort through something that's really fun and engaging um, so like one week we um we, we wanted to like tackle the subject of guys sharing about their relationships with their fathers and, like, and that's like a, a hard subject for any guy really to kind of share on like regardless of whether you've got a great relationship with your dad or not like it's pretty close to, like probably the most important male relationship that you're going to have in your life man to man and <clears throat> And so, um, it's like you can pull a group of guys into a room and you can go, all right, so let's talk about a relationship with our fathers. And everyone will be like, oh, I believe this about relationship with fathers and this is what guys do and this is what dads do and da 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 And it's like not really that personalised. And so, what we did was we, um, we grabbed a stack of, um, of books from the bookshelf um, at the co-working space we were running it from and we dumped them in the middle of the room. We said, all right, so everyone can grab a book and using the title of the book... Um, we're going to use that to reference our relationships with our fathers. And so I think I got like, um, like I don't know, Donald Trump's like <laughs> biography, like cash money and prizes or something like that. And, um, and I spoke about how, um, how like, um, how my dad had kind of um, always role modeled this behavior to me of like um, to be successful and to really work hard and to kind of chase those external um, that, that, that show of success and how um, I'd always felt like that was what he wanted to see from me is, is, is for me to be successful in, 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 in finances, in business, in, um, in life and things like that and, um, and it kind of, just using the title of that um, all of a sudden like it just it highlighted this massive part of my relationship with my dad and, and then hearing some of the other stuff that other guys were sharing about it was beautiful were you there that night? no, no. oh man it was amazing but it's like um, for guys it's um, I don't know I found that we can talk so passionately about like the football on the screen or like a car or like um, a, a, a subject outside of ourselves when it comes to talking about ourselves we, we might tend to struggle a little bit so if we can somehow create a metaphor in the room of like talking about a book title or something like that that it just kind of flows out and so we'll, I don't know we kind of play around with different activities and things like that to, to help guys to be able to kind of open up and get to that space because yeah and, and as you described like it's not it's something that quite often there's a lot of resistance towards yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys. Yeah. It's it's awesome how you do mix it up from week to week as well. And there's always different ways. And you, like, you know, now that you're referring to it like that, I can see that you use different ways to soften people up and just calm people down a bit as well. Particularly for people there for the first time, it can be pretty full on yeah. to show up to something like that for the first time. A lot of people, you know, I I was kind of thinking. You know what am I doing here, and who are these people? And and uh, I I think the first time we did a lot of eye gazing when I was there as well. So it was you know it was pretty intense. But that was you know it was all um, that made people so uncomfortable. <laughs> Probably turning off a lot of listeners now from ever showing up. But no, it was, it was awesome as well doing that. Um, I think it was in that that we were actually challenging the whole thing around like let's make this feel really, really awkward because off the back of that, everyone goes, oh my God, how awkward is that? Now I'm ready to share about my feelings. So now I'm ready to kind of talk about what's actually going on for me because, yeah, I mean, it's something so simple as staring into someone else's eyes, yeah. a guy's eyes, and it just makes everyone <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. 
I oh, loved it. <laughs> we, 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 we haven't done that since. <laughs> yeah. you, so that's, that's, you know, it's pretty amazing the space that you've created there. How do you find that translate in your own life, perhaps, outside of that space? Like yeah. how, you know, are you finding that you're able to maintain perhaps not a, the same kind of level of vulnerability and openness, but is that, or for you, did it start outside that and then, you know, the group sort of a manifestation of that for you? But, you know, how, I guess what I'm asking is, it's a safe place and it's, and it's awesome. How does that permeate more of our life? Yeah. I think it's like, um, it's like a gym kind of thing. It's like, um, or like, it's, it's like an environment, it's like a training ground where you can go there and you are completely safe. Um, and the space is held and it's a, it's a facilitated environment. So Luke and I are holding the space and we're, and we're kind of, we're observing what's going on in the room and we're making sure that, um, it is a safe space for people to be able to kind of come together and, and, and do that stuff. Um, and what I've found, and, and a lot of the feedback that I've got from other guys that have come along, is that it has kind of bled out into their lives. Um, and, <clears throat> like, I don't know, I, um, I, I started kind of pursuing this type of stuff um, a few years ago, and, um, and, and I, I started to, I don't know, like, drift away from old groups of friends, and, and I thought it was, oh, it's because I'm not doing the same things that they are, like, that I'm, I'm not still kind of going out and clubbing and partying and things like that. And I was starting to feel this distance that was kind of um, coming between me and those friends. And then, um, and then I realised after a while that it was, it was in fact that I was experiencing a deeper level of connection with these people in my life. That I wasn't actually growing apart from those old friends. It was actually like that I'd never really kind of connected with them in a way that was like truly vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and, and the more that I can foster that in my life... Um, the more I'm willing and able to kind of be in that place of vulnerability with my friends and bring them along for the journey. And, and like, um, I mean, even um, our relationship, for example, like, I haven't known you for very long, but, like, like we know each other really, really well. And it's because, um, like, when we catch up with each other, that's, that space that we kind of first met in um, mm. is where we meet. Mm. Um, and, and, and that doesn't kind of leave. And so we're not kind of like, oh, so how's your business going? There's <laughs> not that kind of superficial level of the conversation. We're just kind of straight in there and yeah. like, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I find the more that I can be <clears throat> in a space like that and the more that I can be around people like that, it just kind of flows off into my life. And I mean, even my relationship with my father has changed as a result of it. Really? Like yeah. our relationship used to be so kind of... <sighs> I hate the word superficial, but like, it was like, oh, how's the house going? Like, how are the renovations going? How's work going? How's business going? Like, um, oh, how's the footy and things like that? And, um, and the more that I've kind of done this stuff, the more that I've realized, like, how much more I want out of that relationship. And so I kind of challenge that um, and, and ask him questions about, like, how he's feeling and like, and he struggles with it. It makes him so uncomfortable, but like we're, we're kind of, I'm learning more about him and about where he's at and what's going on for him and his relationship with his father and his relationship growing up. And, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, I guess it's like a muscle. Hmm. Like the more that you practice it, the better that you get at it and the more comfortable you are to speak from that place. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, for me, one of the things that really, I guess, got me going down this path was, I think I've always been a little bit, to an extent, willing to be open with people, but to an extent. Yeah. And the thing that really cracked me open was just probably hitting my lowest point and not having, just sort of having no, um, no, no barriers left to put up. Like I wasn't strong enough to put them up yeah. anymore. And a couple of awesome books that I read were, you know, the Brene Brown books who, yeah. you know, she really just tackles this stuff so well and has been, from what I understand, a real pioneer in normalizing this stuff and giving it and well she's she's researched it so thoroughly but also yeah, then got the science behind it which is so powerful got the science behind it and then but and then has also articulated it in a way that everyone can access it as well yeah and um you know with a in a TED talk too which I guess uh, is one of the most popular TED talks and um she actually sums up she she lives her like on stage she's essentially living what she's what she's preaching um yeah and then just being having those moments over the past couple of years of just just I don't know having to open up to all my friends and just seeing how that changed my relationship with them mm. as well um just just going to to levels that I've never gone to and crying with my friends and you know amazing amazing feelings of connection and being held and um, and that kind of thing and I I think coming out of that crisis it's actually a bit harder to get there mm. like I need to it's almost like oh, I'm sort of over that now sometimes yeah. is, is kind of what I feel and it is it's like I guess you know if you have a heart attack um, you, you're much more willing to <laughs> look after your health <laughs> for a period of time yeah. but then when you're a bit healthy you know it, the the reminder to, to preemptively look after your health isn't as strong and um, I think that's where you know going to a regular group like Men's, Men's Collective is really helpful in that way as well it is like that gym to um, you know it's it's sort of you are people are showing up who are in the crisis moment but you're you're creating something on a fortnightly basis that, mm. that is a bit bigger than that too totally and there's people that have come in, in that crisis moment and people that are completely okay that just want that are like bored of having the same conversations with their friends and, and, and not being able to kind of push it past a certain level. Um, and you're right, it's like for so, for so many guys, there's a, there needs to be a catalyst moment. Like there needs to be something that kind of like triggers them into um, wanting or needing that, that kind of deeper level of connection. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some amazing kind of um, research that's gone into it around around drug addiction and, and, and the, like, um, the need for connection and, and how much that can... And, and stimulation and, like, being part of a community. And there's, like, whole... Um, uh, there's, like, whole models of rehabilitation that are used um, that, that are based around just putting people into a community. And in that community, like, you create connection. All of a sudden, there's a sense of purpose and there's a sense of... Um, being part of something larger than themselves and, and, and that has been a hugely successful model for like dealing with people with, um, with drug addiction and there's some fantastic YouTube clips and stuff on that as well. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, the... Uh, I've forgotten the question now. 
<laughs> Showing up regularly at the gym. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess, um, yeah, there is that the guys feel like they need a reason to do it. And that's what Luke and I are really trying to do is like we're trying to make it mainstream. Like we want to try and make this a really mainstream thing because like, um, yeah, for guys who... who who want to come to it and who want something more from their relationships and they want a space where they can do that but they, they don't want to be kind of stigmatised or, or to feel like there's something really wrong with them like as well um, and that that's I don't know it's like it's like letting go of the ego like I was reading something the other day around like where the ego starts and um, and how like when we're as kids when our parents see us like when we, when we smile we get this positive reaction from our parents that it triggers this thing inside us of like if I smile I get this reaction and so that's where like the ego is like it, we start to like um, filter the, our behaviour to get a reaction from the world around us and then when we do things or when we act a certain way around our parents like oh that's so cute everyone like laughs and stuff we think oh great if I do more of that then people will be happier and people will like me and then as we kind of grow up it's like oh if I like that toy and everyone else likes that toy then that brings us together and then I'm part of the group and stuff and so we start to create these personalities personas of who we are based on these things outside of ourselves and it becomes like later on in life our car our, our clothes our, our job our stuff all these things that we kind of push out to the world as who we are but like what's behind all of that is us um, and so yeah I think that what we try and get to in the space is like let's not talk about all these external things like let's talk about what's really going on for you and I think that's where like your emotions and your feelings and and and, and um, and things like that are is behind all that is behind your ego and so you're right that like when you go through like a massive kind of shock or something that's like kind of like a big turning point in your life your ego kind of gets put on the back seat mm. like how much were you caring about the colour of your house or yeah. the amount of shoes that you had or the money in your bank account when you go through something that's life changing like a heart attack or something like that like all of a sudden it's like how much you love people and like the people that you do have in your life and the level of connection you have with them because you don't get to take all that other stuff with you like yeah. um, all you really have is like yeah those moments in time and that connect those connections with people and um, I think we I think our society and through media and stuff like that is so geared towards that external stuff and we forget about like the power of connecting with people um, and Doing that stuff. <laughs> was that a rant? That was so a rant. <laughs> Soapbox moment. <laughs> you are not your IKEA furniture. <laughs> Fight club. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the best scenes. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things that I've noticed happen sometimes with my male friendships is that we can sometimes get to these really vulnerable places and then there's like this moment of backing off as well and it's like a real distance can form have you noticed that kind of thing before yeah. as well yeah the, like the shame hangover <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> what yeah what is that what happens there 
I think it's just because it's, it's foreign and there's like, um, and you're kind of opening yourself up and you're exposing yourself in a way where you are so vulnerable um, and it goes against so much of what we do in the norm. But there's a shame around it. Mm. Like, um, like, and I think that's why, I don't know, like, you know these people that drink alcohol and they're just like, just like open up. Um, and so often, I think most people like drink alcohol or, or take drugs and stuff and then all of a sudden there's like this uber connection. Like, mm. um, they're kind of like, oh my God, I hate my job or I love you, man. Or like, there's like permission to kind of speak what's really going on for you. Um, <clears throat> I found it back when I was in my, um, my old job in recruitment. Like, um, I, I went out one night with, um, with some clients and we had this like, we were together, we were like, we were together over the course of like three or four hours. And the first part of it was like this quite formalized kind of us kind of talking business and stuff like that. And then by the end of it, it was like a polar opposite person. Like they were so different. Um, and it was the alcohol that had kind of like given them permission, like all their kind of inhibitions and stuff had fallen away and all that kind of, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that, I'm this, I'm that, like all this kind of external stuff had fallen away. And this person was actually able to talk about what was really going on for them. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I feel like alcohol is such a great way for people to do that because the next day you can be like, oh man, wow, <laughs> yeah. I must have said so much rubbish last night. Like, or like when people are on ecstasy, it's like, oh my God, like we just chatted for ages and da 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 da. And it's like, it gives people permission to be able to do that. But when you actually genuinely open up to someone, you don't have any of those kind of um, uh, like excuses. It's just like, it was just you. Yeah. It was you. And if you show me who you are and I reject you, like how much harder is that than if I reject you for this thing that you're trying to like push out towards me, like that you're this guy that has this car, that has this, that has that, like this kind of this image that you're trying to project of yourself. Like yeah. because there's a certain level of detachment from it because it, you know deep down that it isn't who you are. If I reject you for that, that's so much easier than if I actually see you and understand you and get to connect with you with who you are and I reject you. Like that is just like... <laughs> so the next day, like regardless of whether it happened or not, there's this massive level of fear. It's like, oh my goodness, like what did I say? <laughs> like, like what, if he, yeah, what if he does reject me? Or what if she rejects me? Like, then what? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I suppose, and maybe I haven't done this that well in the past, suppose if, we find ourselves in that position where someone is that open with us. It's so important, maybe a few days later, to somehow show them that they're still okay. Like, to bring it down to earth a little bit perhaps, or maybe not even saying it explicitly, but some, give some kind of cues that, you know, things are... I'm not talking about it like a men's collective environment here. I'm talking about, you know, a, a, an everyday life situation, you know, and... Just to let people know that it's cool. Like, it's yeah. still cool. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, that's one thing we, we do in the men's group is, like, we, we kind of, we call what's going on in the room um, and we kind of create that, like, um, like oh, does, does everyone kind of feel that? Like, how the energy kind of changed when um, when Adam kind of, like, shared about, like, and you, if you call it in the room and, and, and you're actually, you're normalising what's going on um, and... To be able to do that in relationships and things outside of 
um, spaces like that, I think is equally as, in, is, is equally as valuable. Like to be able to call someone out and say, hey man, like I really appreciated the way you kind of opened up to me the other day or like how are things going around that? Like, mm. wow, it was amazing. Like I got to see a whole different side of you. Like I really appreciate that. Like that can mean so much um, in, in progressing that in your relationship just kind of call out and say hey man like that took guts like yeah 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 you're you're really good at doing that like i don't know if you practice that <laughs> over a long period of time but you are you're really good at um i don't know what you i don't know how to quite describe it but it's kind of like i feel like you push yourself in very in quite extreme ways you ways to break down your inhibitions this is my I don't know this so feel free to correct me or comment on this including a lot of different personal development stuff as well and but the way you talk about stuff um, is has this humility to it as well and accessibility it's not like um, um, look what I did and because I'm pushing myself so hard it's kind of like yeah look at this thing that happened and it was crazy and it actually makes it really accessible and normalizes it as well. I don't know. I don't know exactly what that is, but yeah, maybe you can comment on what that is. But yeah, I find that really, um, it's, it's living what you're talking about, I suppose. But yeah. I, yeah. I think it's like, there's it's two different places where you can talk. Like you can speak from your head or your heart. And when I mean from your head, it's like from that kind of ego place. Um, and like, even just using the example of, of our earlier conversation around like buying houses and stuff like that. Like you can talk about that from a place which is like, like with it, with an, with an objective of like, I want you to see me as like this guy who's about to buy a house, who's like kind of obviously achieved a certain amount and is kind of looking at like, is quite responsible and things like that. And then there's like, you can share about like what's actually really going on. Like, like I'm really nervous <laughs> about like going and bidding on this house. And like, I'm really scared because like, whole, like I'm going to have like a mortgage and like, all this stuff and there's like the humanity in a situation and the other side is like this kind of egoic like mm. I want you to see me and perceive me in a certain way and and I, I guess it's like you can if you yeah if you're able to kind of include like the humanity of what's actually going on for you in something um, then yeah like um, it doesn't matter really like what you're talking about yeah. and I, I guess it's just like um, <clears throat> like I lived a life that was almost the polar opposite like where I was constantly pursuing um, these things outside of myself to kind of fill this emptiness inside me. Like I, I had like the, the job, like the car, like um, my clothes, like and, and all this stuff that I identified with who I was because like deep down, like I really didn't believe that I was good enough. Like, um, like my, um, uh, I think it kind of started back when, when I was a kid. Like my, my dad was this really kind of, um, uh, like macho guy, like he was a builder, um, he was really tough, his dad went to the war um, and, and, and kind of, um, yeah, like my idea of what it was to be a man was, was my father and, and, I, and I was like totally inadequate. Um, like growing up in a family of four boys, my brothers were, were quite athletic and, um, and there was consistently these measures of, of, like, of masculinity like on the sports field and, and around a building site and things like that. And, um, and I was like, I didn't measure up. I didn't measure up, and like, and so for me, like as a kid, I'm like, I'm not as much of a man. Like, I'm not, like, uh, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not measuring up. And um, 
and then and then my dad was this um he was quite quite kind of tough guy so like quite emotionally unavailable um and physically also and so um I'm like this hugely sensitive kid who's like like my mum who's like a kindergarten teacher who's like really affectionate and like massive heart and like totally open and um and and for me like I craved that kind of affection from my father and like I'd see him hugging my brothers as they were coming off the football field like I was into art and like music and stuff and it's not exactly like something that like you run out of like doing a painting and hug your dad and stuff and so like, I don't know I, I grew up feeling like I wasn't like I, like I wasn't good enough and all these things and so I used um, my external stuff to try and validate me to try and make me feel okay um, and so um, like I went and got the job and I went and got the car and I went, I went and got all these things um, like to extremes like I worked super hard to get it um, and so and then I found myself like um, like completely unfulfilled and with this huge like sense of emptiness as a, as a result of like trying to pursue it through all these things and so um, I had to kind of like that was when I almost lost everything like I found myself at a rock bottom where I was like like, I just didn't know what the world was kind of about. I just felt like everyone else had kind of got this instruction manual to life and, like, I'd missed out. Um, and I was like... And, and it didn't, like... It all just lost its value. Like my car didn't kind of matter to me anymore. Like, all this... Like, it just... It felt like nothing. And um, and I kind of went into depression and, and, and felt, like, super down... Like, and, and was, like, suffering from, like, anxiety and stuff. And... Um, and it just, I think it gave me like a huge sense of perspective on what really mattered to me. And it was the stuff that brought me back from that place was connection, um, was like, um, like a beautiful and amazing men that kind of mentored me and helped me through that. And, and, and my relationship with, with my brothers and my mom and my friends and my dad and stuff that like, um, that's what kind of brought me back. And so, um, it was having a perspective, um, that, that, um, Of what really mattered, um, and 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 I guess I've just kind of built my life around that now. Like, mm. like I mean, I still love nice things, and and I, I still want to be successful in life, and I'm still a pretty focused and driven guy. But I I now have a whole different perspective on it. Like, that's not where my happiness lies. My happiness lies in in yeah in in the stuff that really matters to me. Um, and, and so, like, I practice it in, like, all my life and, like, the people, like, at my... I'm working um, in a recruitment company a couple of days a week and, and they're just, like... They think I'm the weirdest guy. It's like, I'm, like, in the elevator talking to, like, people from other levels and, like, they get out and they're, like, what are you doing? I'm, like, that guy was doing something and it was interesting or something. Like, why? And I don't know. I guess I just... I love it. Like, I love that stuff and, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's how, like, I've met some of the most amazing people as a result of kind of living a life like that, um, that like, why would I want to be any other way? Um, cause yeah, like, I don't know, I guess that, um, <clears throat> that stuff's always going to be there. Like, it's always going to be enticing. Like I drive out of my apartment building and I'm greeted by like a two-story um, image of, like, um, Charlize Theron in, like, a backless kind of, like, silver gown, and I'm like, wow, 
my girlfriend doesn't look like that. <laughs> like, and then I'm like, and then I'm to the next corner. It's like this giant guy, like, like long flowing hair and stuff, and his chiseled jawline. I'm like, wow, I don't look like that, eh? <laughs> I'm like, holy, like, I'm completely inadequate. Like, and so yeah, it's like, um, there's constantly kind of that message feeding into it. So I have to kind of tap into relationships like ours and 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 like the men's collective and things like that that keep me grounded and that keep me kind of um that keep my life in perspective um which i think is so important yeah yeah it is because like you say everywhere we turn we're getting this the opposite message to the one that you're talking about right now Mm. and we're saturated in it we we pick it up probably we don't even notice it and even sitting in places like this is a really useful thing to do where there's yeah. none of that. There's no billboards that we can see and the city in nature and remembering a bit about our origins and where we came from and talking without our phones out and that kind of stuff. Like, it's yeah. such good stuff. And I think yeah. the beautiful part is, like, we're still in the city. Like, um, we're still in the kind of metropolis of Melbourne and yet this... These places exist, and I think it's like an amazing metaphor for us as human beings. That like, whilst we can still be part of this like kind of big machine that is kind of um, our world, but that this that these little pockets are within all of us of like mm-hmm. connection and like what's what's at our core, like before our cars and our, ha- and our houses and, and all that kind of other stuff. That like there is this kind of where it all began. Yeah. That was deep. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple of questions, as you know, as we wrap up. But we've talked all about the men's collective. You know, you were saying that your whole life is sort of oriented around this now. Is there there anything that I don't really know about that you're working on right now that uh, is also, or you're moving towards, that's oriented around this stuff, around connection, perhaps around men or just around living an authentic life yeah so um like with the men's collective we're we're, um we're kind of in the processes of building out some content to run like workshops um because um we find that after the two and a half hours um we just can't get guys to leave the room because like there's this amazing connection that comes out of those spaces that are facilitated Mm. and and um and that's where like the the gold starts happening and people were like, I've walked out of the men's collective and like we're standing on the street out the front and there's guys like just like dropping this like massive stuff. Like, oh my God, like mm. I haven't had sex with my wife in like six months or like something massive like that. And it's like, it's like, wow, like, uh, like we could, uh, we could talk about that and we could kind of un- unpack that and we could really, um, like that's where the kind of magic's happening. So we're looking at running some workshops where it's um, maybe like over a weekend getting out of town, um, doing some like really kind of fun kind of men's stuff, um, but kind of um, building out some more kind of skills and patterns and stuff around like, that vulnerability piece and, yeah. and allowing guys that are quite resistant to this stuff, like a bit of a kind of immersive into that. Um, and just, yeah, the power of what can kind of happen over the course of two days um, when like you can see what can happen in two and a half hours. Yeah, cool. um, like, what does that mean? And, and I've, I've had the privilege of going on some amazing men's retreats and men's workshops and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's something I'd love to do. So doing that and um, we're, we're running some stuff like around kind of communication and, um, and kind of um, 
uh, connection and stuff like that for some um, businesses, right. for corporate clients, yeah. um, which has been um, awesome and like a whole new thing and uh, something that I believe in massively because, I mean, what better place for people to be mm. kind of connecting back to who they are and kind of recognising that stuff than in those businesses that are kind of steering our, our kind of um, our economy and our, and our world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's a massive kind of... Um, step for us and something I'm really passionate about um, and yeah I think that's kind of it yeah <laughs> there's always a few things on the boil <laughs> <laughs> yeah. alright last couple of questions the first one's around a subtle disruption or a disruption that you'd like to be part of one day that you're not currently part of or that you daydream about or just something you'd like to disrupt in the um, future I don't know. I um, I think it's probably going to split the listeners, but like I love Russell Brand. Like I love not so much him as uh, the guy, but like his message. Um, and <clears throat> I feel like there's this um, there's this lie that we've kind of been sold into that like this is what if you pursue all this stuff, if you get all these things. And Jim Carrey talks about it in one of his YouTube clips that like I wish that I could give you all the success and all the fame and all the fortune that I have seen, so you could know that that's not where the answer lies. And and I, and I feel like I've kind of like come to understand that. And I feel like there's a lot of people around me that have come to understand that. But I feel like the vast majority of people are still kind of pursuing that stuff outside of themselves to find happiness and that like yeah the media and, and in kind of our commercial societies perpetuating that I would love to be part of some form of like a movement that was able to kind of help people to see that that's not the case um, I don't know like I feel like I'm in on some secret that like most people like don't know about but like that yeah that it's not where happiness really lies and and that if we can <clears throat> all the problems that we face in our world, like the, the depletion of like kind of our, our natural resources and our environment and things like that, if you can help people to recognize that the, the answers that they kind of seek are within, are within themselves and that like kind of everything you need is already kind of there, that like we wouldn't feel the need to go and buy $15 t-shirts from H&M and like we wouldn't feel this constant perpetual need to be out at kind of like buying all this stuff and kind of and I feel like I don't know like um, yeah there's so many problems that could be solved by just people doing a little bit of self-inquiry and kind of looking inside for those answers so and it's something that I hear strongly in, in Russell Brand's message and so to be part of something that was able to help people to recognise that stuff uh, yeah yeah that would be amazing I agree and I've, I feel like I've I've had that's been really crystal clear in my life at certain points and then at other points it's been a, mi a mystery yeah. as well and even after it's been crystal clear you know it's sort of I, I feel like I go in and out of that that clarity and what am I actually trying to achieve and why mm. so I'd love to be part I'd love you to create that movement because so much of it is uh, unnecessary of our work yeah. so much of our work is unnecessary totally and you go to like places like India and, um, and, and other countries um, developing countries and third world countries and you see how happy the people there are with, with how little they have um, and, and then you see like we're, we're, we're one of the most medicated kind of um, countries on this planet and like we're one of the most overweight and, and, and like suicide's the biggest killer of 
men and women under 45 like like if that's a barometer for like how our society is is going like yeah. we're not okay um, so like this way isn't working for us and yet you go over to these other countries and, and you, you get to see it and like I had the privilege of kind of traveling through India for um, for like four months and I got to see it and I came back and um, and I went out to Chadston with, the, with, my, with my mom and I was like I was like wow like it's just this constant messaging like you're bombarded by it like and, and it's like it's crazy like everyone's out there like kind of bye 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 and it's I don't know. I feel like, um, yeah, it would answer so many of the world's problems. So, um, yeah, to be part of something that was able to kind of um, help people to see that would be incredible. Yeah. Mm. The last question's about yourself and about a subtle disruption that you've uh, implemented or a small change that you've made in your own life that's started you on this journey, sustains you on this journey. What's a small thing that's had a big impact? on your life that would be interesting for other people to hear about as well? Um, there's a couple. Go for <laughs> but it. I don't know, I guess, um, I mean, a, a big one for me um, was I stopped drinking um, and all of a sudden um, I didn't have this outlet, I didn't have this kind of like, so I had this pressure valve in the back of my head that would kind of build up and then on a Friday night I'd go and have a few beers and I'd kind of and it would release that pressure valve and I didn't really have that anymore and so I had to kind of find other ways and and, and I and I just kind of I didn't spend nearly as much time kind of hanging out in in pubs and nightclubs and things like that and so I started pursuing a whole gamut of different things like doing yoga on a Saturday morning and, and kind of going to different events and places where that fostered um, people to not be kind of drinking and getting getting wasted. I think it's so much a part of our culture. And um, I was talking to to, um, to a mate of mine who who, who had stopped drinking um, years before, and he said that um, that his life had only really changed like um, by like one degree, uh, one or two degrees. Um, and so for um, like the direction of his life, and so for a number of years, his life was kind of heading. Um, uh, in a similar direction, but he was kind of like walking shoulder to shoulder with the the other guy that was still drinking. But he said, "Think about how different my life's going to be in 30 years' time, um, mm. with all these kind of subtle changes that I'm making in my life as a result of not drinking." Yeah. And it's like the kind of the um, the analogy of the ship leaving the harbour. If you change its course by one or two degrees, it's going to end up in a completely different country. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I, I guess yeah, that's been a, a really kind of subtle shift that I've made in my life. Um, that yeah, hopefully in thirty years I'm gonna be, I will be in a completely different place. Yeah, and, yeah. That is a massive one, and it's uh, it's subtle and it's simple, but it's it's, a, it's such a stand to take that. And, totally. And, yeah, and try dating without alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't drink? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean these are things that you know about are about to become a reality for me as well and also going back into the like I guess a corporate environment and just not being in it for about a year and then noticing how much drinking is just a part of it's a part of how business is done it's a social lubricant yeah yeah so so um and I we've talked about this before and I 
I was curious about, you know, how do you go about it? Because it's pretty awkward to be at a, at a gathering and not drinking. Mm. You know, I sort of grab a wine glass and fill it up with water these days. But, um, yeah, it's, your approach, I think, is pretty cool. Like how you just, you just find other events to go to and you end up hanging out with different people. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you're always going to find yourself in places where there are going to be people drinking and they're going to be asking that question. Um, but, yeah, if you don't kind of make a big thing out of it, then they don't tend to as well. So if you just, if you just kind of say, oh, no, I've got yoga in the morning. Um, so, yeah. and it's kind of, oh, he's got yoga in the morning, so that's why he's not drinking tonight. Or, oh, no, I'm, uh, I'm really focusing on, on, on kind of training at the moment or things like that. It's like, it's when you say, no, I don't drink, they're like... You don't what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> how, how can you how, how can you do that? Like, what, what, what what's that all about? And like, why? And like, um, whereas if you just say like, no, like just today I'm not drinking. They're like, oh, cool, yeah, no problem. Like, yeah, awesome, got it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the less you make of it, yeah, the easier it is. Yeah. Mm. Jimmy, so good to be chatting to you, man. Ah, uh, thanks, brother. Love it. Thanks, Andy. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. An absolute show. pleasure. Cheers, man. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own Subtle Disruption. Bye for now.